0: You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. I'm going to call my beautiful wife right now who's going to share an awesome message. with you mind welcoming her? Yeah. Baby power where he came up with that. (laughs) This baby just seems to be taking from me right now. (laughs) I can't breathe. (laughs) Well, it's great to be here. Thank you so much. Um, Guys, before I start my message, I just have to point out something that's very, very, very important in my marriage. If you've been in this church for longer than one week, you know that every year between December and April, I have a conundrum. My birthday is in December. My husband's birthday is on April 6th. So he just had a birthday. Woo! But here's the thing, he's four months younger than me. Four, not four years, four months. And I hear it every year like I robbed the cradle. So, he has caught up. He is now 40 years old. Can we give him a hand clap? Say happy birthday. (laughs) Happy, happy birthday. Sweet, sweet man. Um, It has been the honor of my life to be married to this man. I'm going to give honor where honor is due. I'll tell you what, if there's anybody single in the room, please, let me encourage you with something. Find a man that loves God more than he loves you. Find a man that will honor God and place you in the altar for God. Because he will treat your family right and he will lead your family right. And that is Sarah Jael Miller. I honor you. I love you. I thank God for the day you were born. And it is an honor to be married to you. I love you. But he's now 40, so please pick on him. <laughs> I, I need the break. <laughs> anyway. Today is part two of living in your element, and we're going to talk, we're gonna continue this conversation. Um, You know, it's really easy to recognize in people who have amazing talents that they're living in their element, right? Like you think about somebody like Steph Curry, you think about people like Beyonce, like Jeff Bezos, you know, or Mozart, or Michael Phelps. Like, you look at these people who have unbelievable, extraordinary talents that they've worked at and developed, and it's really easy to go, of course they're living in their element. Of course they're living in their element. Of course that they're doing what they're called to do, because it's very evident. But for most people like you, maybe like me, I mean, I don't know, maybe you have this extraordinary talent like Liz who can cook just, you know, about anything, and it's very evident. But for me, I've spent the most part of my 20s searching for what it was, that the, the call, what it was that was in me that God wanted me to do. I mean, I, can, I, can, I lost count of how many jobs I, I had. I mean, I switched majors four times. And you can ask JD, every, about every other year I came up with a brilliant idea of what my next amazing job was going to be. Because I was like, I know, this is it. I can do this. I can do that, you know? I was always in that search. But I think, honestly, that the problem is that we complicate what is simple. We tend to complicate what is simple. Not that it's easy. I'm not saying that. Because, honestly, to become and to achieve and to live in your elements, to, to do what God's called you to do can be treacherous in seasons. In certain seasons, it's hard work. In certain seasons, you want to give up. It is hard but it's not complicated. It is quite simple. It's almost as if our calling calls out to us. It kind of, it's, it's kind of magnetic, it pulls on us in some ways and you find yourself doing it even without realizing. You find that it's kind of simple for you where it's complicated for everybody else. It's like you, you engage in a certain activity or whatever you're doing and it, it, it kind of relaxes you even though it's hard work. And it, and it energizes you, and it brings you joy when for everybody else you're like, no, flipping way what I be doing what you're doing. You know, because it's really hard for everybody else. But for you, somehow it draws you, and you you lean towards it. That is because you have an assignment. Did you know that you do have an assignment? Did you know that your life is not a mere coincidence? You're not just you know plucked from eternity placed here and good luck do something with it it's not that way it's not meant to be that way god has given you an assignment the bible teaches us this ephesians 2:10 tells us for we are god's handiwork created in christ jesus to do good works which god prepared in advance for us to do see there is something prepared for you to do that should be a relief isn't that a relief to know that, you know what, there is something in me. There is a gifting in me. I am not just here for nothing. I am valuable and I am needed. That should do something inside, to know that God picked you to achieve or to do something. And last week, J.D. kind of broke, started this conversation with us, and he broke it down into three components. I'm going to refresh your memory if you were here and tell you if you weren't and tell you to go listen to it if you weren't. <laughs> the first one is calling. Calling because we all have a calling that's bigger than ourselves. We all have something that we were called to do that is beyond us. It's beyond our time. It's beyond our life. We've been called by God purposefully for something. Ability. Ability is those things that are inside you already. So when he called you, he didn't say, hey, I'm going to call you to champion this. I'm going to call you to lead this organization. I'm going to call you to be a mother. I'm going to call you to be a father. I'm going to call you to this, but good luck figuring it out. He didn't do that. He gave you abilities. He gave you things and talents that are in within you, whether you realize it or not, whether you've used it or not, whether you have sown that seed and practiced and developed it or not, those abilities are within you to do what he's asked you to do. So there's abilities. And then the third component is circumstances. The circumstances are kind of what brings both of those things together, right? The circumstances have to line up. If you're a chef, but you don't have a kitchen, that's a little bit difficult, develop right if you um are a teacher but you're never you don't have anybody in your life for you to teach it becomes a little more difficult so your circumstances are where kind of where where your life leads and then they bring those abilities and that calling together and all of a sudden you're flourishing that's the manifestation the place where the manifestation of your calling and your abilities happen now these three components are in everybody's life, but there are certain attitudes that we want to talk about. The attitudes that will make this living in your element flourish. If you were here last week, J.D. talked about the attitude of faith and how that is necessary for you to see the, the calling of God come about in your life. For you to live in your element, you have to have a certain measure of faith. Today I'm going to talk about a word that no one likes. I'm going to talk about a word that really is so important as we think about the week that we're in, um, this Palm Sunday week, this week before crucifixion. I'm gonna talk about the attitude of humility. And I wanna tell you this morning that humility is not passive. It is actually very active. It is an active behavior. It is an active decision. Humility is the practice of placing yourself In the servant's seat. I'm going to repeat that. Humility is the practice. And mind you, practice. It's not something you do once, but it's the daily decision. A practice of placing yourself in the servant's seat. Now, does that mean that what you want doesn't matter and everybody can just take from you and take advantage of you and step over you and, you know, you're always just going to serve, 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 and who cares about what your feelings are? No. It is none of that. None of that. In fact, it is actually the contrary in many ways. And I want to read to you today since it's Palm Sunday, we have this amazing picture of what Jesus was going through six days before crucifixion. Only he knew what was coming. Only nobody else knew what was coming. But six days, Palm Sunday before, this is what I would say is the height of Jesus' career. Palm Sunday is probably the height of his career. Right? Of his, of his walk on earth. And if we look in John 12, um, chapter 1, uh, John chapter 12, verse 1 through 13, you can follow along. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. He had, he, no, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Notice that it's for Jesus, this dinner. It's a special dinner given to him. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wage. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus said. It was intended that she, would, she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Notice that. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. He's thinking about the burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus who had been raised from the dead. Curious folks. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For an account of him for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believed in him. The next day, this is the, the next day, this is the day that Jesus is walking into Jerusalem, right? The next day, a great crowd had come for the festival, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, "Hosanna, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the king." Of Israel. So Jesus is doing his triumph what we know as a triumphal entry right Their palm leaves on the floor he's coming if you continue to read it'll te- it'll show you that he sits on the donkey and he um, lives out what Isaiah had prophesied right For all intents and purposes Jesus is now at the height of his career. He has followers. He has big crowds coming to see him. He has expensive perfumes, an expensive perfume being lavished on him. Like the attention, Jesus here has followers, mega crowd. He is Instagram famous, guys. He is known. Now, this is a time before TV, time before internet. Like, think about this, right? He's becoming known. He's becoming famous. His circumstances seem to have lined up with his call right he is the king he's being called hosanna king of israel he's he's being adored he's being praised jesus arrived and yet if you look at the text you see what he is thinking about he is thinking about the burial he is thinking about what's to come I want to ask you, what would you be thinking about if you were the center of attention? What would you be thinking about if people are laying gifts at your feet and coming to see you and adoring and worshiping and shouting your name? What would you be thinking about at that moment? I can almost guarantee you that you wouldn't be thinking about the things that Jesus is thinking. I mean, number one, you're not going to go to the cross, right? But What I find interesting, there's three things that I find really interesting at this moment, at the height for him, that he focuses on and that he does in this text. The first thing I want to point out this morning is that he does not lose sight of his call. In the moment where he is being praised, in the moment where he's being adored, he thinks about what he is here to do. Now, like any other human being, it is very tempting at this moment to take that adoration and become proud. It is very tempting at that moment to take all that love that is coming towards you and to say, this kind of feels good. I'm gonna stay right here, right? It's tempting. It's tempting to take all of that and say, you know what? I'm gonna take my seat at the table, forget the Via Dolorosa, (laughs) forget the cross, I'm just going to take my seat at the table, and I'm going to become king. It would have been easy to choose the royal crown instead of the crown of thorns. How many movies have you watched where the... Uh, I, rem- I just watched a few days ago, re-watched a few days, Coach Carter. Anybody ever watch that movie? Where the basketball players, right, they get better, and so... All of a sudden, they're getting attention. They're winning games. And they're like, we don't need to train anymore. Why are we doing these drills? Why are we doing all of this and all of that? Like, how many movies have you watched when the, like, the main character gets a little good? <laughs> and then they stop training. They stop pursuing. They stop fighting. They stop, right? That's our natural tendency. We get a little bit of attention. We get man's attention, man's glory. And the first thing we want to do is bask in it. We want to stay there because it feels good. So we stop training. We stop grinding. We stop fighting for the thing that we know, for the ultimate aim. We stop at good enough. We stop wax on, wax off. Some of you are 42. I know you are. You know, we stop giving it our all because the praise of man feels good. But not Jesus. Jesus in The height of his career goes back and thinks about the purpose he stops to think about what is he called to do and he's here to accomplish it and that's his aim his aim does does never wavers his aim never wavers the second thing I want to point out is in um still in John 12 and you'll see that Jesus uses this opportunity, the opportunity where the glory is coming to him, where the glory is shining on him, he uses this opportunity to lead others to his Father. He says in verse 44 Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. He points believers those that are believing in him, to the one who sent him. After all, he understands that he is nothing without his father. De- Jesus teaches something so powerfully here to us, that there will be moments, there will be circumstances that will line up in our lives. There will be moments in our lives where our careers are um, calling our ability when things are just kind of lining up and you find yourself flourishing there will be those moments and what will you do when you are flourishing will you go ahead and say yes i'm good like that i spent hours training you know will you take that opportunity to take glory or will you point it over to the one who gave you those abilities Will you point it to the, your Father in heaven who has equipped you, who has called you, who has given you this assignment and has helped you through in all the other seasons that were horrible? Will you point the glory to the one who deserves it? See, an attitude of humility is a posture of service. A service to whom? To God. We serve our Heavenly Father. We serve our King of Kings. We serve Him. And so when we serve Him, we understand that everything that we are is because of Him. That everything that we gain and every accomplishment and every good and perfect gift comes from above and no one else. We are not that good on our own. We are not that capable alone. We need God. We need his encouragement. We need his guidance. At the height of Jesus' career, he he acknowledges his father. What will you do when the opportunity presents itself and you are in ascension? What will you do when the eyes of man are looking at you? Can you... Point that glory to God. Can you say, you know what? God has been gracious to me. God has been good. Look at what he has done in my life. Without him, that relationship wouldn't have worked out. Without him, that degree would, have, would not have possible. Without him, I wouldn't have gotten that deal. It is because of God's faithfulness, because of his wisdom, because of his compassion, because let's be honest. We're not that good on our own right it is insight it's opportunity it's it's when god opens doors and lines things up and things just begin to fall into place and most times we're left wondering how did i get here it's because of god's goodness and let me just remind you as i remind myself of this often we don't deserve it it's not because we deserve it because what we deserve is damnation it's because of jesus because of Jesus and then there's a little part in that verse on verse 43 John 12 43 that says for they loved human praise more than the praise of God this sentence just hurt me for they loved human praise more than the praise of God if you take the praise of man that is the all the reward you will get if you take the praise of man if that's enough that's That'll be your reward. The Bible teaches us that, you know what? Look for the praise of God. Because that will, that will do way more in your life. That will satisfy your soul in ways you can't. Look for the praise of God. The praise of man is cheap. It's fleeting. And then there's a third. The third thing that I want to point out is actually in the next chapter. And we're going to go to chapter 13. Chapter 13, John 13 says, Think about this sentence. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped the towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And there we see the exchange a little further between him and Peter Or Peter's like, you can't wash my feet. You're crazy. You're a master. You can't. Well, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part in me. Okay, wash everything. (laughs) I love how Peter's so dramatic. (laughs) He's like, take everything. (laughs) So Jesus knew that all authority had been given to him. Jesus knew that all power had been given to him. He was in authority, in power, and what does he decide to do? Jesus, having the fame the adoration, the attention of everyone decides to wash his disciples' feet. Let I me mean, think about this for a moment. This is like, think about the most famous person you can think about, the most honored person you can think about coming to wash your feet. I mean, I just, to me, it's, it's a little bit incomprehensible to think about the action that Jesus takes. This is not a small token. This is a very large, this is a posture of service. This is an attitude of humility, a posture of service. He decides to serve at the height of his fame. At the height of his career, he decides he's going to serve. He did not pay someone else to do it. He didn't say, I'm too busy picked up the water and the towel. He rolled up his sleeve, and he loved in action. He demonstrated love. Now, what what does that look like for us? Do we go around washing everybody's feet that we find? (laughs) I'm going to walk around with a bucket (laughs) and a towel. Just go wash people's feet. No. It doesn't look like that. However... There are many, many ways that we can serve those around us. See, so if, you're, if you're a teacher, what's your goal? How do you serve your students? What is the goal of being there daily? If you're a manager, how do you manage people? Are you managing them like little minions in the show? You Do what I say, do what I say. Right? Are you managing them like that? Or are you taking care of them? Are you leading them somewhere? Are they, can they trust you as their manager? Are these, do these people know that you value and care for them? Are they more than just means to an end? Are you in your jobs and your careers? Are you looking for influence? Are you doing everything you do so someone notices? You must be noticed, must be acknowledged. Or are you serving and are you doing because you're contributing to the, to the goal, to the, to the big um, vision at large? Do you need your name on the employee plaque? Or can you be content knowing that you're contributing? Can you aim at building the company? If you lead a team, are you a dictator? Does it always have to be your way? Or can we, can somebody else put an idea out there and can they get the credit? Right, and if you don't know, let me encourage you, if you don't know, if you lead people, especially if you lead people, if you don't know how you're doing, ask. Hey, how am I as a boss? Scary to ask, but ask. If you don't know how you're doing as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, ask. You will know. See, as a parent, you can, be, you can walk around your house as a tyrant and telling your kids to obey. Or you can work with them and build them and help them to become what they're called to become. Not just do what you want, but actually build them to become what God has designed them to be. If you're a spouse, are you a partner or a narcissist? Ouch, sorry. But it's true. There are many relationships that are one-sided and one person is just doing what the other one wants and the, and the lasting power of that is, <laughs> you know, we're partners. We build each other. And so serving in your marriage looks like, hey, sometimes I don't get my way. Sometimes I serve. A lot of times I serve. Friends, it's easy. I should, shouldn't say easy. It's easier to act humbly when your circumstances force you to serve. When you don't have an option and you have to serve and you have to do. Like, it's easier. But in your life, you're going to have opportunities where your calling and your abilities will meet. There's a promise. In your life, you will have. In Proverbs 18, 18, 16, it says, A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. And I want to encourage you this morning, you in this room will be given opportunities where your abilities will make room for you. And that God will open up doors for you because your calling is drawing you into something. It's drawing you to the next step. You will have opportunities to decide whether you're going to take the glory, where you're going to act proud and be all about yourself, or you're going to decide I'm going to take a posture of humility and know that if I've gotten this far, it's because God has brought me this far. And I'm going to continue towards my aim, which is to love the Lord, to serve his people, to bring glory to his name. That's our aim. We're not on this earth to just gain power and influence and be famous and known. The goal of living in your element is not to be famous, although that's not what TikTok says. We live in a culture who's seeking fame, and that's all they want, fame, attention, right? But that's not the goal of living in your element. The goal of living in your element is not even to gain wealth, although there's nothing wrong with it. The goal of living in your element is not to be admired, to be followed, to have a million followers. It's none of that. Right? What will you do when the circumstances present themselves? What will you do when the circumstances are lining up with your call and your gifts? What will you do then? Because the reality is this. If you don't make that decision now... If you don't do that now, take that posture of humility now. When you get there, you won't. You won't. Our posture of humility comes right now at this moment, making the decision that we're going to live for what Christ has for us, that we're going to live for our calls. We're going to live for what he has placed within us. Fame, fortune, followers will only reveal what's concealed in our hearts. It's just going to reveal it. not going to build anything. We can't say we will help others when we have enough money because you won't. And you can't say you'll share your influence when you have, you know, authority over people and you are all big and mighty. Because you won't. I want to encourage you this morning that the goal of living in your element is to maximize your life with what God has placed in there. When all is said and done and you leave this earth... You can leave saying I loved well. I was loved. I didn't gather wealth for banks and storage units. I lived generously. I laughed until my belly ached. These are goals. I experienced wonderful things. I made memories. I made other people better. Like this is the goal of living in your element. I want to encourage you With this, because we can get so focused and so ambitious and so sidetracked by what culture tells us we need to be seeking. (coughs) Excuse me. What the world tells us we should be fighting for. That we forget that God's call, there's a call, there's an ability, there's these things that are lining up for us, but not for our glory. For impact, for kingdom impact, to bring glory to God's name, to change people's lives. That's the goal. Your call will always involve others because God is a generational God. He's not just thinking of you. He's thinking about your children, your children's children, the generations to come. The gospel has come this far because people have decided to take up their call and move forward. The reason we are here serving the Lord today is because people did this. So God is a generational God. And your call is not just about what you accomplish in your lifetime. You have been given abilities to build this, to do it, right? You're equipped for what you're called to do. And then your circumstances will change. One week Jesus is being adored. The next week he's being crucified. It's the same for us. One week you are the best, the cat's meow, the next week, you're canceled, right? Circumstances will change, but when you live for the one with the focus on, your, the, on the call, with the aim always dialed in, none of that matters. None of it matters, right? Because the Lord will get you to where you need to be. Um, let's pray. God, I thank you this morning that you're helping us to have an attitude of humility towards those things that you've called us to do. It's easy, Lord, to get proud when we're good at stuff. It's easy to lose focus when we're getting some recognition. It's easy to get lost in the praise of men. But Father, we serve you. And our lives are yours. And as we seek to become great, because that is our aim. Our aim is not to be mediocre. As we seek to become great, can we become great in the things that matter? Can we become great lovers of people? Can we become great at leading people to you? Can we become great at producing and developing and growing um, others and things for your glory and your honor? I pray, Jesus, that you'd help us to be laser-focused on what you have assigned us to do. And at each of our places, at work, at home, at school, help us to become what you've designed us to become, but never lose focus that we are yours and we are your servants. We love you, Jesus, this morning, and we praise you. Amen. Amen. Let this be an encouragement to you guys that we live for something greater than ourselves. And as we pursue our purpose, as we pursue our um, calling, that we don't lose sight that we serve the Lord first. Amen.